0: Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. And welcome to Rock Strikes! 10.
1: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. All right, it is now time for part three of our five-part 1997 retrospect, or retrospective, if you will. I'm not sure what the proper English on that is, but Regardless, if you've been tuning in all week so far to this mega five parter, I really appreciate it. This is part two of the top 30 albums of 2017, the Rock Strikes 10 master list here. So let's just kick things off. Number 20, and just as a disclaimer, you know, 20 seems low still for a top 30 countdown, but I got to say on the Rocket Rank scoring system, none of these albums rank lower than 83 points. They range from 83 to 90 points. For the albums that are positioned between 20 and 11 here so yes all good stuff in my opinion nothing wrong with any of these records for the most part but it's, it's a pretty decent year so even number 20 is a damn fine record proof positive here number 20 on my list happens to be cheap trick and their self-titled record from 1997 sometimes referred to as the red Ann album sometimes referred to as cheap trick 2 but Whatever you call it, it's a damn fine record, a great outing by Cheap Trick, and I believe this to be the relaunch of Cheap Trick, their massive comeback, especially from a creative standpoint, and they've been putting out pretty damn stellar records ever since this album here, so 20 years in their modern era, and getting the job done pretty much every time. Love me some Cheap Trick, of course, and love the self-titled album from 1997, So, what better way to kick off part two than with the boys from Rockford, Illinois, and the song I'm going to play here to represent the self titled Cheap Trick album from 1997 and to come in at number 20 on our top 30 albums of 1997? This is Hard to Tell. off part two of our top 30 albums of 1997 countdown and also overall part three of five of our 1997 retrospective that was the great cheap trick with hard to tell from their self-titled album from 1997 I, everything here on this list i have a physical copy of for sure i legit purchased all of these albums and Proof Positive, I even have the Cheap Trick with the bonus single on it. The Steve Albini produced A and B side here that also includes the move cover of Brontosaurus. Great stuff there. So if you can still find a physical of this, make sure you track down the one that has the bonus disc on it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Speaking of awesome stuff, coming in at number 19 here, and I'm almost positive it's the sole representative, much to a lot of my friends' chagrin, of uh, Matador Records whether that's a good or bad thing, on our countdown here. but And I think this is one of those import signings for sure. But a band that I got into recently over the last decade or so, I I did not have this record at the time, and I have it now. So this is one of those oddballs. There is a handful of these on the countdown for uh, albums that I didn't make the journey through with in the year it was released. But I love it now, so it definitely deserves to be part of the countdown. It's not that album's fault. It's definitely my fault as to why I didn't purchase it beforehand. Just didn't catch on my radar. But man, freaking Guitar Wolf, there's probably not a more rock and roll band that ever existed than these guys. Loud, abrasive, in your face, loud as shit. Did I mention loud? Yes. Okay. So they put out an album in 1997 called Planet of the Wolves. And I'm gonna, I I could play almost anything off of here, and your ears will bleed. But I figured I'd play this, which is the title track to a movie that they starred in, which you gotta go track down by any means necessary. One of the great rock films of all time. So here is Guitar Wolf representing the Planet of the Wolves album with Wild Zero. Turn it up. Actually, you don't have to, they're gonna do it for you. That was Guitar Wolf with Wild Zero from Planet of the Wolves from 20 years ago. One of the loudest bands that has ever existed, if not the loudest. I think that track proved it there. All their records sound like that, so I guess they're not for everybody. But Guitar Wolf, I think, is a great rock and roll band. And just happened to fall upon number 19 for Rock Strikes 10s top 30 albums of 1997 moving on to something absolutely 100 percent completely different uh, is a band that i definitely uh, had my peak of fandom pretty much throughout high school around the time that this album was happening for sure and I- i'm not as much of a fan of this band anymore i kind of moved on but i i dig a decent amount of their catalog still for sure and still listen to it pretty well but dream theater put out a record in 97 it was called falling into infinity and i believe upon retrospect a lot of the people in the band i've read in interviews over the years they consider this one of the lone attempts at actually appealing to radio so i, I don't know if they were that big of a fan of this album but i think it's a pretty damn good record it's good enough for number 18 and the top albums of 1997 for rock strikes 10 here so i'm going to play you something off of that record and a record that proved to be the swan song for the great keyboardist Derek Sherinian but he would be fine he's doing tons of projects and still works all the time great keyboard player but uh, yeah after this one they went on to do Metropolis Part 2 which was massive but before they did that they definitely had to make this record in order to I think ascend to that next level of prog greatness so here you go from the falling into infinity record this is Dream Theater with Peruvian Skies Mm. There you go. Dream Theater with Peruvian Skies from Falling Into Infinity, our number 18 record of the year 1997 here on Rock Strikes 10. The number 17 record. This was an album that actually wasn't really thought of as a project for 1997 when it was recorded. I think the original intention of this album really was to come out in about 1995, if not early 1996, but it got delayed massively, bootlegged heavily. You probably know where I'm going with this. But after the KISS reunion of 1996 and massive uh, renewed interest on an overall basis for the band, not just delegated to the hardcore fans anymore... But there was a lot of interest in the Carnival of Souls album, which was recorded prior to the KISS reunion. So it's the Revenge lineup. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, and Eric Singer. And this was basically uh, what we have heard over the years in interviews and, and books and things such as that, is that this was a lot of Gene's idea, supposedly, and in an attempt to appeal to the the modern rock alternative grunge culture. They put out this record, Carnival of Souls, And it definitely divides the KISS army for sure. It's one of those polarizing KISS albums. And there's not a lot of middle ground on this album. You either love it or you hate it. Kind of like The Elder in that respect. It was the Elder of the 90s for KISS. And I'm sure when they were recording, it would be very unbeknownst to them that this would be one of those records that would divide the fan base. Me, where I stand on it i definitely like it more than i hate it there you know maybe i'm one of those weird ones actually has a middle ground for this album but like i said i like more of it than i don't it's definitely you know around the you know 80 to 85 percent good for me so when it came out i loved it so it's fallen off a little bit over the last 20 years but I still listen to it every now and then and over here on Rock Strikes 10 this year if you missed it went back and reviewed every studio Kiss album and ranked them in my personal preference and Nolan did as well so if you didn't hear those shows go back on the feed there and check that out so I I don't actually remember where I ranked this in the overall Kiss catalog but for the year 1997 I believe it to be the 17th best record of the year and to represent this Kiss album called Carnival of Souls the final sessions track three on the record still my favorite on the whole album for sure this is master and slave One thing you can't deny about Carnival of Souls, whether you love it or hate it, if you're any kind of rock and roll fan, you must recognize and respect the fact that Bruce Kulick totally kills it on that entire record. So, if you're a fan of great, massive, beefy guitar work with great solos, you should definitely check out Carnival of Souls just for that reason. Bruce Kulick just totally killing it on there. So, that was Master and Slave by Kiss. 17th best record of 1997 according to me myself and i and we move on from a polarizing album from a particular fan base to yet another polarizing album from a particular fan base and this is one of those albums i see this album a lot on worst albums of all time lists and you know even within the the actual fan club of this band itself it's a completely almost hated album across the board, even by some of the band members themselves, but I guess I'm just that weirdo that actually really likes this album. I, I can't defend the entire thing. There's definitely a couple of stinkers I would have taken off, but overall, damn near top to bottom and turning it off before the last song on it. I gotta say, man, I, I really, really dig The Generation Swine now by Motley Crue. I know, gasp, gasp. But I think it's a cool record. I I love listening to it to this day. So the 13 songs on it, I think there's like 10 that are still really, really good songs. So, uh, you know, I, I listen to this uh, like every day, maybe a couple of times a day when I bought it, you know, And if you'd asked me at the end of the year, 1997, what the best album of 1997 was, I probably would have said this record. So, that being said, it's fallen off a bit in retrospect, but it has uh, gotten to the point where it is my 16th favorite album of 1997. Still pretty good, considering that I bought a lot of albums between then and now, but yeah, still like this record. Unashamed. Love it. So fight me on it if you're curious as to why we'll talk about it i'll give you a few other song examples to check out but for now check this one out Uh, what i am picking to represent the generation swine record and my love for it this is a rat like me Right there you go. A rat like me from Motley Crue. I think for the most part that sounds like, you know, classic Motley Crew. I I think Vince pulls a good vocal on there. Band sounds great. You know, I even take that back what I said earlier before the song. I would have only cut off two songs on this record. You cut off Rocketship and Brandon and I think you got a lot more people digging this record. Rocketship and Brandon are just jerk-off ego strokes for Nikki and Tommy. But the rest of this album, I think, is pretty damn stellar and deserves a second chance in the annals of rock history. What do you think of that? That's what I think. All right. If I haven't completely alienated my entire listenership here, we're moving on to number 15 of the top albums list of 1997. I'm enjoying this countdown. I enjoy a good countdown. Let me know what you think out there. This was a band. This was their rookie year, their debut album. I saw them live, actually... Before the album came out, I mean, it was just about to come out. I saw him play this tiny stage outside the Starplex, basically where the beer tents are and all that stuff, because it was uh, under the guise of a festival. And I want to say it was called the Roar Festival or the Roar Tour, because this thing actually toured, but it just did terribly. Like, (laughs) I don't think I've been to a a lesser-attended show in a big place ever than that show. I, I got free tickets... Uh, because uh, yeah, I went with Chris, and we had gone to this other festival out at the Texas Motor Speedway. They just opened the speedway this this year in ninety seven and we got all got free tickets to go to this rock fest they were putting on this one day event. bunch of mostly bad, you know, 90s radio alternative pseudo pop alternative bands. There was a couple of good bands out there, but uh, when we were leaving, we got these other pairs of tickets to go to this roar show out the Starplex, which was basically our shed out here in Dallas. Got out there, and man, I don't think there was any more than like a few hundred people there. And, and for a shed in the summer, if you only have a couple of hundred people, it looks terrible it looks like the fair park scene in spinal tap but uh, despite all that there were really cool up and coming bands playing on the side stage all day and this was one of them man seven dust man you know if, for me it's really just the first two albums by seven dust that really got me i i think they fell off pretty hard by the third one it just didn't keep my interest maybe it was me maybe i was moving on i don't know i'd I feel like the band, you know, declined in creativity and overall good records, but those first two records are really good. Debut record, Smokes, and they were also super nice guys, too. So, I mean, you know, you've heard a handful of these songs a lot, especially if you listen to rock radio in the late 90s, but I don't think these songs ever get old. Proof positive. The opening track on the debut album by Seven Dust. This is Black. There you go, some 7 Dust, Keeping the Blood Boiling there, with Black from their self-titled debut from 1997. Like I said, I saw them live before that album came out, and they were on this tiny stage. They took every inch of that stage, but they rocked it. They were great. Speaking of stuff I still love, this band never fell off for me. I followed their entire career uh, to date. And for this entire decade here, in the 2010s, they have not been active at all, which is a shame, because uh, they put out this first release here in 1997, and I think they only got better as a band. It's it's really sad they're not around anymore, but the Donnas, day one fan of the Donnas, and wish they were still flying the flag, and I hope they're all doing well, and I hope they come back soon. But, you know, I say they only got better, you know, but still, I love a lot of songs off of their debut record. This thing was recorded low budget you know a few tracks and uh, but it still has that great sensibility of classic punk and classic rock classic girl group it's it's a nice mix of everything that's been great about rock and roll and in the history of rock and roll so one of the great rock bands of the new millennium but uh yeah on their debut album that came out in 1997 when they were all still in high school this is the donnas with i'm gonna make him mine tonight with I'm Gonna Make a Mine Tonight, our number 14 album for the year 1997. That's a fun record. Go uh, pick it up if you can find a copy. It's got Let's Go Mano on there. It's got a cover of the Beach Boys Drive-In. I mean, there's some fun songs on here. Gonna Be Your Girl. Super fun, super fun. If you don't like the Donnas, you don't like fun. All right, from low-budget, a super-duper-attitude girl power music to well-super-professionally-produced raw girl power stuff here moving on to the album that veruca salt put out in 1997 this album eight arms to hold you big rock sound big bob rock production and you know Louisa nina up front if you ever see this album Mountain about eight arms to hold you pick it up it's it's a awesome killer rock and roll album i could just pick any song off this which i'm pretty much going to throw in a dart and land it on this one this is don't make me prove it
0: zero one two three Yeah.
1: Love it, love it, love it. All right, there you go. Veruca Salt with Don't Make Me Prove It from the album Eight Arms to Hold You. Yeah, I liked American Thighs too, but I I gotta say, I think Eight Arms to Hold You is their best album overall, so go get that one. Definitely a highly recommended Rock Strikes 10 approved record. All right and uh you know if you're a long time friend of the show this won't surprise you but maybe if the, you're new to the show or newish this may surprise you a little bit this is also another playstation classic by the way referencing part one and for the record generation swine and seven dust were also playstation classics on this particular part of this top 30 countdown but number 12 and honestly i thought i liked this album enough to where i thought it was going to be in the top 10 just didn't happen that way a couple of newbies that i wasn't familiar with at the time actually made it into the top ten but this thing very strong record might be this band's best overall record if i had to really think about it long and hard it might be maybe maybe second best but green day rock and roll hall of famers green day put out nimrod in 1997. now this album kind of like when i talked about aerosmith nine lives on the first part of this countdown you know, the song Pink on there, that song was so huge, and it was so everywhere that I felt like it hurt the album overall. For anybody that might be into, you know, the heavier side of the band, the more vintage era of the band that that wanted to hear them just rock out. Uh, Same goes for Green Day, I feel like as good as the song Good Riddance Time of Your Life is as a whole, you know, I I can't deny that it's not a good song, because it's definitely a well-written song. But it definitely, I think, uh, put a different kind of stigma on the Nimrod album, which is a shame because there's a bunch of really great high energy rock songs that you come to know from a band like Green Day that were delivering the goods really early on in their career and hitting a lot of good sweet spots. And they were just, you know, a great power trio. They don't get credit enough, you know, especially when they were just a bare bones power trio. You'll hear a lot of examples on Nimrod when it comes to things like that. So it was actually hard for me to pick a song to represent this one. And I'm talking about how cool this album is and how many heavy tracks it has on there but I'm actually going to play a different kind of song from them and, and not good riddance because that's just a you know straight up acoustic ballad with strings but there was another ballad on this record that uh, you know is kind of proven to be one of my all-time favorite songs like ever I think this song is brilliant when I heard this song originally it made me think of like classic kinks like you know it, this could have been one of the better British invasion songs of all time it's just a great perfect song and I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think enough people have heard this song, uh, even though it, you know, it made it onto their best of and stuff like that. And it was a single. There was a video and everything, but it didn't get the push that everything else on this album did. It's, it's a damn shame. So uh, probably my favorite Green Day song of all time is on this album, Nimrod, which is another reason why it ranks at number 12 for our top 30 countdown for the albums of 1997. And to represent it, this is Redundant. Redundant. <laughs> There you go. That was Green Day with Redundant from the Nimrod record, our number 12 album of 1997. Saw them on that tour with Chris at the aforementioned Deep album Live on the previous part there on part one. And they were so good that night, man. And uh, Billy Joe was definitely lit pretty hard. He was very drunk. But he was definitely a professional drunk that night. And they were just on fire. Super drag opened up. That was a great rock show. So, yeah, good stuff there. That was, the I think, the last time I saw Green Day Live. I haven't seen him since then, which is a shame. I wish I'd have seen him on the Warning Tour, because that Warning album is great as well. But anyway, say levy. We are down to the last song of the night here for album number 11 on our top 30 countdown of the albums of 1997. Finishing it off tonight with the late, great, iconic david bowie and his album earthling as bowie liked to do throughout his career he was definitely a chameleon in style aesthetically and musically and this was a big departure uh you know definitely embracing what was definitely uh you know a type of music that uh gained even bigger ground in europe than it did in america it definitely did well in america but it was king in Europe for a while, and you see the culture of it in certain things throughout the 90s. Train spotting is a big example of that. But uh, the electronic music that really just was ruling the British music scene, you know, it was weird. It was like two different extremes. It was like heavy hardcore electronic dance music and electronica and then like you know like the, the teeny bopper bands are still big and the spice girls came up huge at this time and you know the robbie williams thing was going on so it's like europe's interesting in that respect when it comes to their uh you know top of the pops type stuff but uh digressing once again david bowie embracing the electronic culture but definitely putting his own stamp on it as well Uh, there's enough David Bowie personality in the album to make it still feel like a David Bowie record. And that's what's super important, especially when you, you know, kind of, latch onto a trend basically and with the addition of reeves gabriel's on uh guitar there lee guitar his guitar sound and the, the the effects that he was going for on earthling you know even when it came down to just television appearances people were catching up with bowie but reeves definitely gave bowie a new sound in addition to the electronic stuff i mean he was he had that crazy parker fly guitar making all these crazy, you know, almost like DJ-scratch noises with it and high-pitched notes, and people were pretty blown away by that when they saw Reeves play with Bowie, at least I was, especially. So it added a new element to the already new sound for David Bowie, but I still really dig the Earthling album, and, you know, It doesn't have a terribly timeless sound to it, but I like more songs on it than I don't, and the album definitely ranked high enough on the rock and rank system to garner notice to get into the upper echelon of the album's countdown for sure. And I, I know I played this song to represent it during the Bowie specials last year, but I gotta play it again. This song is so damn good and a great closer. You really can't go anywhere after this one for the night. So from Earthling and the great David Bowie, this is Seven Years in Tibet. Closing off the show tonight, part three of our 1997 retrospective, part two of our top 30 albums of 1997 countdown, coming in at number 11, Earthling by David Bowie and the song Seven Years in Tibet. Great stuff there. That song would easily make it on the top 10 songs of the year for me, that's for sure. But I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you can believe it, in my opinion, it's only going to get better Part 5 of our retrospective is going to be the top 10 albums of the year 1997. Definitely stay tuned because part 4 coming up will be volume 2 of The Odds and Ends of 1997. Almost giving you a little bit of a reprieve, a little bit of a break before the super massive epic top 10 albums of 1997. Stay tuned, enjoy. I hope you're enjoying this whole week, 5 days of shows, 5 days in a row kind of thing. It's a lot of fun for me. But stick around, cnjradio.com, home of every episode of Rock Strikes 10. In case you're new to the show, go down the rabbit hole and uh, you know, let me know what you think. Also, while you're on cnjradio.com, stick around for the Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, A True Alternative. Also, check out The Last Theater on the left, hosted by Chris, my, my brother, my partner here on cnjradio.com. He hosts the show. We just did one this last Christmas here on the original Black Christmas movie. One of my favorite movies of all time. So go check out that episode as well. And our 13-parter on the Friday the 13th franchise. That's a good one as well. Go check that out. Stick around for the Wrestling House show. Show's coming soon. I've been hyping it, and it's going to happen. Stay tuned. We're merely days away from the relaunch of Wrestling House show. CNJRadio.com. Big things doing out here. All things rock culture on CNJRadio.com. Last but not least, before we get out of here, I want to thank Pete, the great Pete Larusa and his boys in Spacebeard here for the awesome outro that we play on every episode. Go to Facebook.com slash Spacebeardband for more information, and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. Alright, we'll see you tomorrow on Part 4 with the Odds and Ends Part 2 of 1997. We'll see you then. Have fun.